0: And welcome back, everybody. This is episode 31 of the announcer schedule podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill, along with Phil DeMott Mollin from the Twitter handle at announcer Scheds. And of course, you can rate, review, subscribe. We're on the sports media watch feed, 31 episodes strong, taking a look at all the announcing news, pairings, and big calls from the week that was, and we got a big week coming up as well don't forget as we said like rate review subscribe get it out there to your friends that always helps you can leave a comment uh, in the comment section you can always ask questions as well as we continue to go on this journey of looking at all the big games even the small games get a lot of mention here and stories as well phil welcome back man what's going
2: on uh, nothing much, you know, um, kind of a bittersweet time when college football comes to a conclusion, and that certainly was interesting how that went down on on Monday night, so I know we're gonna touch on that super wild card weekend coming up uh on the n f l side of things, and you know time to settle in with even more hoops and uh in hockey as well. well, we got the n f l to start things off, so uh let's
0: kind of start our run down there with the big football weekend super. Wild card weekend. We had week eighteen in the books first, though. And let's uh take a look back at some of the notables
2: uh from that big week eighteen. Yeah, we kind of you know obviously forecasted this that the the big story would be the Buffalo Bills um coming off the Damar Hamlin um news last week. And you know, great to see uh Hamlin's recovery and obviously how so many people have have rallied around different causes and that kind of thing. Uh but what a uh you know situation up there in buffalo you know just the atmosphere number one but then you know the kickoff return to to get things going on pittsburgh and cleveland miami and the jets were underway as new england decided to defer after
0: winning the toss and here's hines on the run back Breaking a tackle and taking it past midfield. And down the sideline he goes. This is storybook. An opening kickoff return for Tamar Hamlin. And this place is absolutely going wild. Oh, you just said this is storybook. This is almost fate. I just can't believe what just happened. Josh Allen, the same thing. Six days removed from this. Uh, incredible can't believe the scene that we saw with the Bills player down in 6'9 and now uh. An incredible script. Oh, it's you just it's you almost can't fake it up. Right? It's it almost fate. like it was going to happen. And you know that wave of emotion. Sometimes it hits, it can go either way. What a start. Extra point is good. Can you believe it? After all that's happened in these last six days, the emotional downs. All right, that's uh, Jim Nance, Tony Romo on CBS. It was three years and three months since their last kickoff return for a touchdown. And there you heard the call uh in week eighteen.
2: Yeah, that's kind of one of those magical um statistical notes in terms of the the serendipity of it all. You know, certainly um you know a spiritual moment for for many. And uh yeah kind of interesting how the Nansen Romo network television call went down with that. You know, we talk a lot about letting it breathe on this show and laying out when there's a, there's a big play, you know, certainly that was uh, worthy of that. And um, I, I timed it real briefly as we were listening to that again. And Romo uh, let it breathe after Nance uh, gave his initial call for just over two seconds.
0: Yeah. I think uh, that was the one thing is that uh, the touchdown Nance uh, really nails it. And then Romo jumps right in. I think maybe, I'm not sure how it went down, but maybe Nance grabbed him and said, "Hey, let this breathe a little bit," because there was a long breathing period after Romo's expository
2: on what he saw. Yeah, or maybe Romo realized after the fact that it's it's time to to lay out, and and Nance just laid out from there. You know, it's we've talked about that a bunch. You know, if there's actually communication up there in the booth, sometimes there is, but you know, in terms of you know grabbing your partner and that kind of thing, but also you know once. Announcers have worked together for, you know, season in, season out, and that kind of thing. They they know each other, you know, and they certainly have, uh, uh, a, you know, encountered big plays before where laying out, letting it breathe is the move. But, you know, in, you know, I guess the counter argument would be a moment like this sort of supersedes it so much where, you know, there, there, it, it might be appropriate for the analyst to jump in quickly just because it is, you know, so. Uh, such a marvel as far as what happened exactly.
0: Now let's take a listen to the same play, the same call on the Buffalo Bills radio network.
1: Five degrees here this afternoon as Folk puts his foot into the ball. It's going to be short. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20.
0: Cuts it back at the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40, 50, down to the 40, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Naeem Hines. 96 yards! Run, run as fast as you can! You're not catching Hines! He's your end zone man! Buffalo on the board with the first play from scrimmage!
2: Are you kidding me, Chris? They showed Josh Allen his arms on his head on the sideline. Sean McDermott, it appears, has tears rolling down his face. What a tribute To DeMar, this special teams unit, this kickoff return unit, set the tone
0: for what today is going to be, and that's a celebration, a celebration of number three, DeMar Hamlin, and they started off just like that, running the opening kickoff, 96 yards to the house. And as you heard the reference to Chris there, Chris Brown filling in for John Murphy, and we have some news there. John Murphy, the longtime voice of the Buffalo Bills,
2: was not in his regular spot for that game. Yeah, in fact, John John Murphy, and in the, in the news came out—you know, right in the middle of all the the, the Hamlin news—had suffered a stroke a, a weekend ago and actually missed the the Bills-Bengals game when the 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 Hamlin uh, incident happened. And Chris Brown had to fill in for uh, Murphy, and hopefully, Murphy's on the the rebound as well. John Murphy, the longtime voice. Of the Bills, and so Chris Brown, you know, not only has to handle that, you know, um, Monday night game, but also Bills Patriots and you know the scene there. And you know, I'll hand it to these two, Chris Brown and, and Eric Wood. You know, when when a moment is that electric, when there's that much emotion in the building as well. Uh, it's tough to, to kind of get it, get it right and you know, show your emotion, but at the same time uh, do the professional part of the job as far as calling the action and that kind of thing and, and painting the picture for, for the listeners at home. And I, I think these two did a great job. The, the thing that comes to mind is I was in Marlins Park at the press box the game after Jose Fernandez died tragically. And you know there was a there was a leadoff home run in that one that was just a, a uh, you know a mind blower as well. And you know all of us in the in the press box doing our respective jobs were having a hard time just containing ourselves, not being on the air, and just kind of making sure we stay focused and and kept track of things on on our end. I can only imagine the the situation for the announcers that evening. And you know I, I remember talking to some of them and how how you know, challenging it was and, you know, kind of similar situation here, you know, where the, the whole, you know, it's almost um tangible, you know, the the emotion that's in the air and that, you know, sort of the the vibe that that's um, radiating from the stadium there. And Brown and Wood, you know, I think really did a great job with that with that call. And, you know, I, I didn't listen to their entire broadcast naturally, but I, I would imagine they, they did a good job throughout the game as well. And, you know, a hat tip to Chris Brown and Eric Wood.
0: Uh, There you go. So that was the Bills Radio Network on the call. Uh, And then uh, let's uh, get one more uh, week 18 note that came into play here as we saw J.J. Watt walk off the field uh, for the final time as a member of the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, it was a pretty uh, touching moment for him as well, uh, who finished out as announced his retirement from football and this presumably his final game.
2: Getting a standing ovation here, Watt. Yeah, this
0: is nice from this 49er crowd. He, he said it's, I'll try not to make it emotional. He said it'll probably hit me, you know, when, when I'm away and I'm supposed to be back out there playing. But there wasn't any doubt in his decision that this was the time. And that's Chris Myers on Fox, as, uh you heard there. Just, uh, you know, a moment for Watt, who, you know, probably tired with some gas left in the tank.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I enjoy Chris Myers, especially in, in spots like this. You know, he, he's such a professional. He's, he's kind of a newsman, also a, a great, um, you know, host, a great interviewer, uh, you know, does the play by play work as well. And, you know, I think yeah, he, he paints pictures, you know, and, and, you know, gives just the right amount of gravity in, in moments like these. And, uh, you know, he's been working all season long, uh, mostly with with Robert Smith as his analyst all right uh we had the sunday night game as well we saw aaron Rodgers
0: uh and some post-game work with mike tariko chris collingsworth uh, of course the final sunday night broadcast those guys will be paired on a playoff game coming up but uh, that was the last sunday night regular season game
2: yeah that you know that was an interesting game because of all the the implications and how it kind of went down and then you know it's just- Again, sort of painting the picture and and letting the the director do the work and following the the lead of of the pictures. You know th- those Aaron Rodgers scenes, as far as him leading leaving the the venue at Lambeau Field, and you know kind of that that whole vibe. Um, I thought Tariq and Collinsworth and in that gang at, at NBC did a, a good job painting that picture as well.
0: All right. Uh, super wildcard weekend. We'll hear from those guys again, but let's take a look at who gets these prestigious calls uh, for super wildcard weekend.
2: Yeah. Uh, it begins Saturday, you know, 4 35 PM Eastern time uh, kickoff, one 35 Eastern on our or Pacific time out there on the West coast in, in Santa Clara, Joe Davis, Daryl Johnston, Pam Oliver and Christina Pink, so two sideline reporters. No surprise there. You know, for the this playoff game, and then Joe Davis and Daryl Johnston, you know, uh, get the get the call as far as that number two Fox team. And then that night on Saturday night at eight fifteen Eastern is the second NBC game. And if you remember, Al Michaels, uh, we we covered this last summer. You know, was named to this emeritus role with NBC. Well, we we finally. You know, get to see him back uh, on the NBC side of things. Tony Dungy will be his analyst for this, and then Kaylee Hartung on the sidelines. You know, who had been doing Amazon Prime work uh, this season. Her return to sports broadcasting alongside Al Michaels and in, in Kirk Kerb Street. So Hartung will be the reporter for that Sunday. Uh, One o'clock is the um AFC wildcard game Dolphins at Bills that's Nance Romo and Wolfson and then 440 p.m. uh up in Minnesota Giants at Vikings uh 440 Eastern time Burkhardt Olsen Andrews Rinaldi the number one Fox team and then third game of a triple header on Sunday uh bravens bingles that's the nbc sunday night game tariko collinsworth melissa stark so um business as usual there even though of course it's a playoff game and then monday night buck aikman salters uh espn also simulcast on abc and then there's a manning cast on espn two for the cowboys buccaneers on monday night
0: and you take a look at the radio westwood one has that uh feed for all the radio uh listeners bill rosinski james Lofton, amber theo harris uh we'll do that first wild card game 435 uh the second one at night will be Ian eagle jason McCourty, and max starks uh i don't know that max has done a lot of sideline work um you know he works a lot with mike cousins uh
2: in on espn radio not right uh don't we see max do a lot of that yeah um you're exactly right, mainly in that analyst role. So this might be the the first time he's been down there on the sidelines. I'm sure you know maybe he's done it in some form, but to my knowledge, yeah. uh, this is the first we've seen that he you know he did a lot of the college games with uh, cousins on the on the right. Saturday ESPN radio side of things. All right, so
0: he's doing some ESPN and some Westwood one stuff. Tom McCarthy, Ross Tucker, Aditi, uh, King Cabwala is the uh, analyst uh, on. That uh, What game is that? The Bills and Dolphins. Kevin Harlan, Mike Mayock is back uh, in the analyst role. Scott Kaplan on the sideline uh, for the Giants and the Vikings. You got the Sunday night game, Ryan Radke, Mike Golick, and Ryan Harris on the sideline. And then a uh, friend of the pod, Kevin Kugler, Kurt Warner, and Laura Oakman uh, are doing the Sunday night game. And uh, there you go. So Westwood One has their uh, teams put out there as well on the radio. So, uh, you know, obviously we're getting into wildcard weekend, so uh, you're getting the, the top pairings down the stretch here uh, for uh, the final, or excuse me, the first, and then obviously next weekend some of these pairings will even get smaller uh, because of the fact that uh, there's going to be less and less games. So good stuff uh, on who we've got this weekend.
2: Yeah, and Mike, on the, on the radio side, I mean, what a testament to... Westwood one's depth as far as the, you know, the, the announcers who they have, um, you know, deals with and, and who are part of their, you know, stable. I mean, we're going one, two, three, four, five, six games deep. And, you know, it's Westwood one, like doesn't even flinch. You know, they're able to fill all these yeah. spots. Well, it
0: helps, you know, some of the TV guys are knocked out. They get Harlan, they get Ian Eagle, who are two of the top, uh, you know, CBS pairings. Uh, I think, I guess, Ian Eagle would be that number two cbs guy you know cbs only has one wild card game correct
2: correct so, so that that's part of the formula there you know um you know tom mccarthy who we see on tv work also and um yeah kevin kugler uh you know kevin would, harlan would by have the way box game yeah and, and then in then kevin harlan on the on the cbs side of things so right. yeah it all kind of adds up to to um you know uh more of these announcers get in opportunities even though their their tv network might not have a uh, a deal uh, this weekend, or a second or third game, but uh, yeah, even uh, even on the analyst side of things, you know, you're you, James Lofton, who we see on you know network TV uh, week in week out, um, you know Ross Tucker, we've talked about him a lot on the program, Mike Mayock, uh, Golick, Kurt Warner, yeah, it's a it's a solid group and g- great reporters as well.
0: Uh, let's look a couple of weeks ago. We talked about. Uh, analysts and their positions, and you broke down
2: what analysts and what positions they played. Yeah, we we talked about this a while back because you know it was brought up. You know, just how much do quarterbacks dominate that analyst role, which is sort of like the traditional um, position that evolves into to broadcaster. Uh, you would mention, you know, defensive backs as as something that might have been you know, um, that, that you like hearing from. Um, and so what, what we did was we broke down this week 18, uh, this past week's, um, announcer pairings. And we also added the, the Amazon package for, for good measure. And the way it shook out was as follows. Um, five of the analysts are quarterbacks. That's the 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 or check that six if you add Herb Street the the Amazon um you know analyst Aikman Trent Green Dan Orlovsky Tony Romo Mark Sanchez and Kirk Herbstreet. Street so six quarterbacks, uh, three defensive backs Adam Archuleta Charles Davis and Lewis Riddick, two wide receivers Collinsworth and Lofton two. Running back slash fullbacks Robert Smith and Daryl Johnston, and two linebackers Matt Millen, uh, who didn't wasn't part of a regular package, but did get work this uh, week eighteen with Jason Benetti, um, him and uh, Jonathan Vilma representing that linebacker position, and then just one tight end Greg Olson, one offensive lineman Mark Schlereth, and one kicker Jay Feely. Uh, no defensive lineman in the, in this group. Um, you know that. That's that's worth noting. And uh, yeah, kind of as expected, you know, the quarterback position uh, still sort of dominates that analyst role, but just wanted to kind of break it out and look at, you know, a little bit of data, you know, because that that was a good discussion we had before as far as, you know, what these backgrounds of these analysts might bring to sort of the X's and O's side as well, while you're watching a game.
0: Well, on that note, uh, it'll be interesting coming up. Uh, one of the stories we'll be keeping an eye on is Sean McVay and whether or not he as a coach, Will become an analyst, and you know that was a big topic last all season. Now it's gaining even more steam. Uh, the question will be, where would he fit in? You know, the analyst job that he was going to get, uh, the Amazon job that has been filled. We know Fox and ESPN and CBS, all their top spots are filled. Uh, so Sean McVay should be interesting to see if he does leave coaching. Is he going to be a game analyst, or will he have
2: to sit on the desk for a little while? That that'll be something that we'll be keeping an eye on. Yeah, and that, that's an interesting point, too, because, you know, again, like, we made this list here based on NFL Week 18 pairings plus the the Amazon package, and there wasn't a coach who called a game in the analyst role last week. I mean, there's plenty in the, the studio and, and that kind of thing. Uh, Tony Dungy will be calling a game this weekend with Al Michaels as part of that second NBC crew, but you, you sort of assume that, hey, plenty of coaches are moving into broadcasting and into these analyst roles and that kind of thing. But it's kind of interesting, at least on the NFL television side, how it's been dominated by former players and not coaches.
0: All right, let's go to the college football championship because it was a dud of a game. But what about the broadcast? They treated this like it was the biggest thing going. And obviously the game did not lead up to the hype, but ESPN owned the game. Uh, How did they do? What did we see uh, from their coverage?
2: Well, tough situation, obviously, when when a game gets this out of reach this quickly, and certainly the the ratings are being documented by, you know, John Lewis and Sports Media Watch, and I'm sure John and TJ had plenty to say about this this week as far as the ratings implications, Um, you know it is a big deal, you know, the college football national championship. It's one of the highest rated sporting events year in year out, you know, and not to mention just television shows in general. So, you know, obviously ESPN, uh, pours a lot of resources into it. You know, the mega cast, which has been going on for a few years and, and all these things, you know, I, I tuned in a bit to the, the ESPN radio coverage. Once again, uh, I like how they overlay on that alt 22 and just all together you know the story unfortunately for for the the television and, and radio partner side of things became the blowout you know and 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 folks were 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 turning the channel and and so forth uh, i would imagine i usually stay up to probably 1 or 2 a.m the night of the college football championship because i love college football it's it's probably my favorite sport to 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 watch and settle in with. It's always a bittersweet night for me because it's the last chance to kind of soak it all in. And then plus, you know, I'm, I'm following all the coverage following the game as far as, you know, the crowning of the national champion and the postgame press conferences and all these things that is my norm. This time I fell asleep, uh, before the fourth <laughs> quarter started. So that kind of sums it up. I think as far as my personal experience and, in, in in how this went, and I'm sure plenty of other people are in the same boat, you know, you, you kind of feel for folks who have to, you know, um, either spin this thing or, you know, somehow, uh, make it work. But, you know, I think, uh, ESPN did, did the best they could as far as, uh, you know, um, Continuing that, you know, obviously the, the broadcast, you, you uh, change your style just a little bit, you know, obviously in a blowout situation. But uh, yeah, you know, the, the, the storyline certainly became uh, this thing's a blowout
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you don't get a good game. It's 40 something to seven right around halftime. Uh, George is laying it on. I mean, they are not pulling off the dog, calling off the dogs by any stretch of the imagination there. They just kept on going and going and going, which gave me a chance to kind of flip around. Uh, I went to the McAfee feed, and I will say, I am a big fan of McAfee. I am a West Virginia guy. He went to WVU. I think he's extremely talented. I really enjoy his work. I do question whether he is becoming a little overused, and you're just like, he's doing his show on the sideline of this game now. I mean, basically, it's him and it's A.J. Hawk and the rest of his radio or stream show, and they're on the sideline, which is a cool concept. But it's like I see this show every day. I just wonder if he's getting a little bit overexposed. That's all. I like McAfee. I think it's an amazing story. I think he's an unbelievable talent. But even the most talented of talented people sometimes get a little overexposed where you have to kind of say, why am I excited about seeing this show? It's because I don't see it all the time everywhere. And I'm just cautious about that with what he's doing. It, it was an Omaha production thing. So I guess, you know, they had to find someone that would excel in that role. And, and he certainly excels. I don't think he did a bad job. He's entertaining, but in a game like that, I'm thinking to myself, man, it's 65 to seven. And here's Pat McAfee on the sideline doing his show, which, you know, is on every single day. I mean, I don't, you, you like, again, this isn't a criticism of him. It's just, I hope he's not getting a little overexposed.
2: No, it, it's a fair point. I mean honestly not he's not really my cup of tea as far as his talk show and that kind of thing. I I've checked it out here and there, but I I'm not certainly a, a regular viewer of that no, kind of thing. Do you thing. do you like him on game day? Yeah, uh, yes and no. Okay. You know, I'm I'm kind of a more of a traditionalist. <laughs> Um. So yeah. Once things get a little, little, little wacky and, yeah. and loud and that kind of thing, you see, know, I, I like uh, him I'm on game my day. Age.
0: I like him on game day because he's different, but he's not so different. Like I, I feel like I mean, this is a guy who was a punter. You know, it's not like you're like, hey, this is a guy who had some Hall of Fame running back, quarterback, you know, career, but he is very smart and prepared. Like he doesn't come in there just winging it. He is a prepared guy. You can tell that he does his homework, that he doesn't want to be exposed on that level as a guy who's just there for, you know, to be, you know, joking around. He knows his stuff, so I give him a lot of credit for that. I think he worked for that show, and I think he's good on his show. I just wonder if he's becoming a little overexposed. Like, he does the wrestling. I don't know if you've ever seen him do SmackDown. He's very good at that for a guy who does not have a wrestling background. That's not an easy job. I mean, right? I mean, that is not an that, easy that gig. That fits his personality, that, that venue, for sure. Yeah. Well, his over-the-topness. It's just sometimes the over-the-topness. Like, my buddy, uh, we text all the time. He lives on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. He liked Mackey. This guy's great. He's funny. but Well, now he's giving me the text messages. Too much McAfee. Too mm. much McAfee. And I said to him, I agree, and, I, and I'm a fan of McAfee. So I'm not someone who's saying, ah, eh, his act is, I like McAfee. I just hope they don't overuse him, and I hope he manages that himself to say, you know what, I'm going to pick and choose my spots because he does a show every day. This isn't a guy who's not on every day. He's on and available every day for the people who want to find him it's the other things that I think he kind of – and I think the college game day works for him. So that's something I think he should stick with and and be that guy. But it's the other things that you're just kind of
2: like, eh, is it too much McAfee? That's yeah. What. No, it may, makes a lot of sense, Mike. Uh, good points there. And, you know, w- with that megacast worth mentioning also that, you know, they didn't have the coaches' film room this year and yeah. I, I spent a lot of time with that the, these last couple of seasons you know where you would you know be watching the game with a, a group of coaches basically you know at a conference table and, and really hearing them break down the X's and O's I thought that was a, a cool offering um, in the past but you know for whatever reason they they didn't go that route and and seemed to have really kind of focused on the, the, the McAfee um, you know, yeah. channel as far as the alternate, um, you know, number one option after the main feed.
0: And I did watch a little of the 5G, uh, whatever that was. That didn't catch me very long. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a game traditionalist. I like listening to the game. In fact, this year I have not watched a lot of the Manning cast. In fact, I can't say I didn't watch a lot. I watched no Manning cast this year. Last year I was pretty much strictly Manning cast. This year, no Manning cast. I watched no Manning cast this year. It was all Buck and Aikman, and maybe that has something to do with it, of who's calling the game. But, yes, college football's mega cast, and you can let us know uh, what you watched and what you enjoyed. Uh, We did have a listener question on this uh, topic from James in Lincoln, Nebraska. Enjoy Matt Rule there, James. Uh, He says, uh, does the producer have a contingency – for a game like the national championship, such as more sideline stories, more backstories, or does the announcer and an analyst kind of wing it when it's a blowout? Do they kind of steer that ship of when they want to go off topic?
2: A hundred percent. There's a contingency plan. Um, In fact, there's even more than, than a contingency plan, you know, not every time, you know, at least on the network television level. You know it, it's it's often kind of st- stated that you know the producers prepare all sorts of material for a given game, as do uh, announcers. And very a very small percentage of all the work you put in in prep actually makes on air that you know you've got more than enough you know to to go to um, when it comes to to uh, packages, graphics, storylines backstories all these things and that filler material that blowout material um is usually abundant now the producer um his role kind of you know gets that much more critical in moments like this because he's sort of steering the ship in a lot of ways and so what he'll do is or, or he or she will do is like hey um you know, let's, you know, out of this break, let's go to, you know, next season's way too early top 25 poll and, and, uh, you know, let's, let's look into that or, you know, after this break, let's look at, you know, first year coaches um, and how they worked out in college football. So you look at some, maybe some, some big picture type stuff, you know, you could, you could have um, prepared, but, you know, there's a abundance of graphics of packages of stories that never ever get used on any given broadcast and end up just, you know sitting in the can, you yeah. know uh, be, if a game is competitive. but when there's a blowout like this and filler materials needed, um, you know you know there's the opportunity to go to all those storylines and you know you'll notice the play by play announcer sort of eases off on you know the, how diligent he is in terms of calling each play, you know, so you're not giving maybe as much detail or as much urgency or as much excitement on any given play when a game's out of reach like this. But, you know, of course you're, you're, you're keeping an eye on things and, and weaving that in, but it, it gets to the point where, you know, sometimes it becomes a little more conversational and, and you're doing play by play at the same time while having a, a conversation with your analyst.
0: Uh, Good question, James. We appreciate questions as always. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, leave comments, like, share. Get it out there. Uh, More people listening, the longer uh, more episodes. We're at episode 31, so you guys have been doing a good job. uh, But uh, it's always nice to keep getting it out there. Uh, We're on the Sports Media Watch feed. Uh, TJ and John, of course, you hear Wednesday. George Offman tell me a story I don't know. That drops on Tuesdays. Really good interviews from George and TJ and John go over a lot of the ratings. We look at more of the announcers. Let's look at the announcers. Uh, NBA, because now uh, the NBA is going to be taking some center stage with college uh, football over college basketball. I'm a big college basketball guy, uh, but the NBA, too, is uh, you know going to start getting a lot more national attention.
2: Yeah, we're we're taping this show on Wednesday, and if you're uh, listening on Wednesday tonight, you've got some some good opportunities on on ESPN at seven thirty bucks at Hawks in Atlanta. Uh, Mike Breen is working alongside Hubie Brown, so talking about a couple of of all timers there. Mike Breen on the play by play, Hubie Brown as the analyst, and Katie George, uh, who's a name that you know we've. We've mentioned a bunch of terms of college football reporter uh, duties and has done a lot of work in college sports. This will be her national television NBA debut as a sideline reporter, you know, working an NBA game nationally. And um, Katie had done some work with the Milwaukee Bucks a couple seasons ago, you know, as the. Their sideline reporter. So she certainly um, understands you know, the, the NBA environment. Uh, but a cool opportunity for her. And just wanted to mention that note that she'll be making her national TV debut tonight for an NBA game. And then uh, Suns at Denver on um, ESPN, also late Wednesday night. That's Mark Jones, Mark Jackson, and George Sedano. There's a couple games on Friday, including a Ryan Rucco, JJ Reddick game. Uh, Warriors and Spurs. Uh, Dave Pash is in action on uh, late night Friday night with uh, Richard Jefferson and Malika Andrews on the uh, Nuggets Clippers. And then there's a a rare Saturday afternoon game, uh, one o'clock on ABC, Bucks at the Miami Heat. uh, And then that'll be that number one team of Breen, Van Gundy, Jackson and Salters. You know, there's a, there's a point this time of year where ABC starts doing those Saturday night NBA games, uh, but this is interesting whereby the the tip-off is 1 p.m. Eastern on ABC on Saturday, Bucks and Heat.
0: Yeah, uh, and by the way, Lisa Salter is a part of that. We talked about how good of a job she did during that Hamlin thing. I'm interested to see the role of the sideline reporter moving forward here if networks – And cable outlets continue to put more, um, invest more into that job, seeing how important she was in something like that. Now, you can't plan for that always. But, um, you know, people I don't think realize the the role of that sideline reporter sometimes is even on the air. Um, They might be down on the sideline talking to the truck to give information to the people up top. You know, so they're the eyes and ears on the field and maybe they don't even come onto the field. Everybody says, ah, oh, this uh, sideline report is frivolous. I always enjoy – I think the sideline reporters are a very undervalued part of the broadcast, but I also think that these networks could do a much better job of utilizing them. I think they can offer so much more than what they allow them to do, and uh, hopefully that, that job continues to evolve because there's so many – uh, men and women who do great work down there that don't get noticed a lot.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, an important role as well. You know, I, I know John and, and TJ have talked about TJ Reeves, by the way, you know, our our partner in the, the podcast network here, you know, as longtime sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he'll have a playoff game uh, this weekend as well. And you're right. Like, I mean, critical information, the eyes and ears as far as down there, um, you know, next to the action. And certainly, you know, if something uh, major happens in terms of injury or that kind of thing to have, you know, uh, you know, uh, boots on the ground down there is is huge. And you're right, you know, there a lot of network shows. Sometimes they barely even go to the sideline reporter. And, and uh, I know sometimes, you know, uh, producers or, or the truck um, might get kind of swept away especially in a super uh competitive game as far as the the game action goes um other times you know they might be trying to cram in too many uh you know graphics and packages you know that are pre-produced and in, in that kind of thing um so there are games that you know it's almost like uh you know hey there's a sideline reporter down there <laughs> what, what what happened to, to to uh she or he but you know it's an interesting discussion and an interesting philosophy there's also this role we talked about it a little bit on past shows of field analyst you know that that you see sometimes you know where you know you've got you know basically someone doing the job of of analyst but also on the field and uh you know kind of oftentimes sort of like an uh, open mic situation you know we talked about the late tony saragusa he sort of invented that role in a lot of ways and then um especially on the on the college side you know they they do it uh here and there but you know that's kind of an interesting dynamic as well um but you 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 wonder sometimes at least i do you know does the field analysts you know are they you know, if they're asked also to do sort of like the traditional reporter duties, are they able to do both, you know, because, you know, the field analyst is sitting there watching the game and commenting on on what he's seeing, just like as if he was up in the booth um, as a third analyst. But while a sideline reporter is doing that reporting work, you know. Um, going from sideline to sideline, trying to get information, trying to you know relay that back, like you said, to the to the truck or or up to the booth and and so forth, or and sometimes on air. Not to mention that the interviews, you know, with with the coaches or the the star players, you know, well, that kind of thing. one You'll,
0: sport we see that a lot in Phil is hockey, um, where they do have that analyst between the glass there that gives you that on ice perspective. I think hockey, you know, is, does a good job. By adding that person down on the ice, they tried to do it. You mentioned Saragusa. No one else has really replicated what he did, kind of just hanging out in the end zone. And, you know, they did it with the Booger Mobile, but that really flopped. You know, they didn't really – I think they could have done a much better job. I think the fact that he was on this Booger Mobile really overshadowed what that position could have been. You know, it became this – the Booger Mobile more than – Hey, there's a guy down in the field that's given us insight from a different angle and a different view. And I think there's a way to incorporate that a little bit better into the broadcast. But hockey does it well.
2: Yeah, it, they do with that ice level analyst role. And, you know, you're you're right. You know, like, you know, there isn't really an example on the NFL side of things, you know, um, other than, you know from my memory, at least thinking back to, to Sarah Gusa, on the college side, there, there is, you know, um, you know, packages that, that use that field analyst and, you know, in each of these cases, um, the field analyst kind of doubles as also the sideline reporter. So they'll be doing the, the post game interview and, you know, halftime interview injury reports and that kind of thing as well. Um, Tom Lugenbill, you know, is one of the guys in that role of a uh, field analyst and also Cole Kubelik, um, you know, doing a lot of work with the SEC network. Uh, Todd McShay, they used him in that role as well, um, you know, quite a bit this year on that uh, Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge package. And, and the way that worked is, you know, Molly McGrath was part of that package as well as the the sideline reporter. She actually worked the, the national championship game as well with, with Holly Rowe on one of the sidelines but McGrath would handle the sideline reporter duties, you know, injury reports, uh, interviews, that kind of thing. McShea was down there as more of a field analyst, and they they used McShay a lot as sort of a uh, draft analyst as well. So he would bring in, you know, obviously that's his expertise, you know, some of that um, information also as he's watching the action. So it's an interesting discussion as far as, you know, how to best utilize you know your your talent down there on the sidelines
0: all right speaking of hockey let's take a look at some of the pairings uh that we're going to get on the national games uh we're recording on wednesday a couple games on tnt and then thursday friday of course you got espn and espn plus always has a, a plethora of offerings
2: yeah if you if you're listening to this on wednesday the day of our uh, taping of the show couple offerings on tnt this evening kenny albert you know, who's been all over the place um, as usual. Uh, He'll be on the Predators-Maple Leaves game with Eddie Olchick and Keith Jones, you know, uh, on that ice-level analyst role, as you mentioned. Uh, Sharks and Kings is the late-night game on TNT. Brendan Burke, Darren Pang, and Jackie Redman reporting. Uh, Thursday, you've got an ESPN game with Bob Wischusen. Uh, Ray Ferraro and Emily Kaplan round out that team, and then our buddy Roxy Bernstein uh, once again will get a Hulu ESPN Plus game on Friday, uh, New Jersey and Anaheim.
0: All right, uh, there's your NHL. We got college hoops all over the place, uh, and uh, we had a debut the other night. I was watching this debut actually.
2: Yeah, um, Corey Alexander, who has been around as a as an analyst, you know, the former a university of Virginia star Uh, you know, he's done all sorts of analyst work, you know, with, with all sorts of partners uh, has done um, you know, ESPN radio work as well. Well, he debuted as a play-by-play man, you know, he actually, you know, I I don't know um, you know what his aspirations are, you know, if if this is something he wants to do full time or not, but bottom line is he was on play-by-play this past week uh, along with Randolph Childress, you know, the you know uh, former star of Wake Forest. And actually, Wake was involved in that game, Wake at UNC on ACC Network. So Corey Alexander trying his hand at, at play-by-play. And uh, he'll be back this week as well, you know, um, doing another ACC Network game uh, with Childress. So kind of cool to see uh, guys sort of spreading their wings and, and trying different skill sets and that kind of thing. So um, all the best to Corey Alexander as he, you know, works on this um, ACC network play by play side of things. Um, you know, there's also... A, another ACC Network game with a, with a team that I really enjoy, West Durham and Dan Bonner, two two veterans of the business. Uh, they'll be on again on ACC Network. There, there's been plenty of opportunities to catch them, which has been cool.
0: And then there's Robbie Hummel, who had an
2: interesting story this past Sunday. Robbie Hummel did a double with the Big Ten Network. Uh, he's an analyst um, who you know you see on other networks as well. Um, he did a game in Piscataway, New Jersey, uh, the Iowa at Rutgers game. Wayne Randazzo was his play by play man for that. That was a noon tip off in Piscataway. And then he, um, you know, by uh, car traveled to the Palestra in Philadelphia where he did the Penn State Purdue game with Brandon Gauden and Andy Katz. Uh, so 12 p.m. tip off in Piscataway, 6 p.m. at the historic palestra in philadelphia mike you know this area this is your backyard you know what that commute might look like you know it seems like he pulled it all off uh it, you know it's, it's kind of cool to to follow you know that those sorts of travels um obviously a, a big opportunity also to to work in the the palestra you know one of the, one of the, the meccas of uh college hoops but uh what were your thoughts when you when you saw that sort of uh, itinerary uh, up in your neck of the woods
0: yeah you know it, depending on the traffic uh you know going from Rutgers uh to the palestra i mean it's not that long of a drive but uh, on a sunday i would imagine the traffic not all that bad now what was the gap
2: in between the games the uh, Rutgers game tipped off at noon and the Penn State-Purdue game at the Palestra tipped off at 6 p.m.
0: So he had yeah, he had plenty of time to get there. I mean, the big thing would be parking around the Palestra. I'm wondering where he found a spot to park to get in there and get himself ready. But now there's plenty of time to go uh, from Rutgers-Newark uh, down to Philadelphia. It's probably about, eh, about an hour and 45-minute ride, I would guess. Uh, in the car, just so the finish, the game was at noon, got done around 2, gets out of Rutgers. You get in the
2: car for two more hours. You're probably around 4, 5. I mean, you're kind of close. You know? Yeah, it, a little behind the curtain thing, as you mentioned, the the parking. You know, when there's a uh, network TV game and there's a production truck on site, they'll often save a couple spots literally right next to the truck where we're, we're no one else can can park in fact it's almost like impossible to to in some cases like weave a car through the you know stanchions and and traffic and everything to get there but um, if the preparation is made correctly with the, the operations folks there'll be a spot saved for you know Robbie Hummel in this case literally wherever that production truck is they'll squeeze him in there right next to that truck so uh he won't have to worry about that and be able to just uh scoot right into the 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 arena there but uh you know kind of a cool story as you know something we do a a lot here as far as talk about announcer travel and logistics and all that
0: yeah and by the way the palestra as you mentioned just a, a historic venue one of those great college basketball places if you've never been to a game At the Palestra, it is definitely something uh, that you would want to check out. My buddy went to the game, it was Penn State Purdue, and the one thing that he told me, uh, he asked, I said, all I can tell you is this. He said, where should I sit? I said, there's no good uh, or bad place to sit, but what I will tell you is it is hot in there and try to find the bathroom because there's only one in the building. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> you're going to want to try to find and sit where the bathroom is uh, because the lines are long and it is hot in that place.
2: I mean, it's a, it's kind of on my bucket list as far as, you know, sporting venues in the United States that I haven't seen yet that I I'd like to, but you might've just kind of, you know, uh, scared me out. Of oh them. no, no, no. <laughs> you got to go to
0: a game with the palestra. It is not a bad seat in the house. It's just really hot in there. And, uh, you know, the, the place was set up, uh, about a hundred years ago, so they only have one bathroom and they got uh, like troughs in there. Like everybody's just kind of lined up against the wall, uh, you know, to use the bathroom. So it is part of the charm. That is part of the charm,
2: absolutely. Uh, Phil,
0: a uh, couple of notes before we get out of here. You've got some work this weekend.
2: yeah, I'm actually um if if you want to tune into ESPN u uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night on the um, ESPNU, Matt Schick and Paul Biancardi on the call for UNC Asheville versus Longwood college hoops action up here in Western North Carolina. So I'll, I'll be handling talent stats on that one. So looking forward to that opportunity and, you know, it'll be my first time working with, with those two announcers. So looking forward to that and uh, yeah, you know, plenty of opportunities this weekend to, to tune into college hoops. Yeah. Always good
0: stuff. Uh, I called uh, four games last weekend. There's a big tournament here. Uh, it is called the Siegel Classic. Uh, it was an 18-game tournament, and uh, I had four calls back-to-back on Saturday and back-to-back on Sunday. And uh, you talk about Robbie Hummel. Uh, he did two games in a day. He had a little separation. I got no separation, Phil. I had to do both games back-to-back. And let me tell you, the uh, preparation for a high school game, not quite the same for a Division I college basketball game of the information that you get on players and background on teams and all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I've worked uh, behind the scenes on some high school football games and it's a challenge for, from a, for an announcer or for a producer uh, because a lot of times, you know, like you said, just, you know, the, the information isn't available just getting things the basics you know, names and uniform numbers, you know, uh, correct. It can be a challenge with with some of these outfits. So, um, you know, if you're listening and you're involved with any sort of high school athletic department, you know, whatever you can do to kind of create the equivalent to a sports information director is really going to yeah. help as far as the exposure in the overall product that, you know, the announcers are going to be able to you know, provide for your team. I'll
0: give you. I, I am literally picking a complete random clip in this game. I have no idea what is going on here, Phil. But I'll give the people just a. Brief, should I give them a, a little clip of my play-by-play from Sunday?
2: Sure, let's do it. All right,
0: what a tap there by Jamie Tyson. Well, that
1: great court awareness to even make that play.
0: Anthony in the corner leaves it for Clark. Clark spins. Now he took seconds. steps. Took steps.
1: Yeah, eat one or the other.
0: 49-42 Mustangs lead about halfway through this fourth Elizabeth's quarter. Elizabeth's
1: going to up the defensive pressure right now try to force Mainland into turnovers, <laughs> try to try to speed him up, What Mainland has to do is slow down.
0: Boardilly crosses the timeline, belt high dribble working one-on-one in a man-to-man defense. Traveling, draft step. Hits the elbow then spins back For out. Mainland the
1: double dribble right there, you know.
0: All right, so there you go. I just picked a complete random clip. I had no idea where I was in the action. That's Mike McGarry, the longtime press of Atlantic City high school beat writer uh, who was calling that game with me on, uh, I think that game was on Sunday afternoon. It was Mainland against Elizabeth uh, at the at the Seagull Classic, which is a, a longtime high school basketball showcase tournament in our area. It was uh, 18 well, if- games in all.
2: Huh? If you had the the high school um, newspaper beat writer as your analyst, that had to help some uh, on the the information gathering. Yeah, like, he's crap. very
0: good at knowing you know the ins and outs of the of the teams uh, and some of the players. Now, one of the problems is some of these teams that come down here are from not from the area. They are showcase teams that come down here to play, so we don't know these teams all that well. They're coming from North Jersey or out of the state. So we're trying to get as much information as we can. But you really only have like 15 minutes in between that game, you know, to get information on some of these teams. So it does make it tough. By the way, uh, BFA Sports is where you can check out uh, some of that work. They do a lot of live high school, college. I might have a college game this weekend for them. i got to check my schedule. Um But uh, there you go. So, um, all right, some news and notes and nuggets
2: before we get out of here in Major League Baseball. Phil, what do we got? Yeah, Wayne Rendazzo last week was named the play-by-play announcer of the Angels. We actually already uh, spoke about Wayne a little bit on this show. You know, he uh, did that Big Ten Network game with Robbie um, in Rutgers. But Wayne Rendazzo, who's been part of the uh, Mets broadcast team, uh, working as one of their – uh, radio announcers these past four seasons he also um filled in for um a couple of apple tv plus games this past year uh so that may have been um significant in terms of him you know continuing to to build his resume and setting him up for this big opportunity as he is now the television play by play primary announcer for the angels uh mark Gubic's uh will be his analyst uh uh, Mark returns for his 17th season and uh, still waiting for uh, news out of uh, St. Louis in terms of the Cardinals vacancy in terms of their uh, TVT TV play-by-play announcer. Uh, that's an opening after the departure of Dan McLaughlin. Um, there's been some reporting done that uh, guys like, Joe Buck and Bob Costas, both who obviously have big, big ties to the, uh, St. Louis market and the Cardinals, um, have declined, uh, the opportunity. Uh, so we'll see, um, you know, who gets that job, certainly sort of a legacy, uh, job in terms of the Cardinals play by play role. All right, there you go. As, uh,
0: uh, the Cardinals, uh, Greg Amherst, M Am- M Am- singer from a uh, MLB network. There was some talk about him taking that job. I think he has declined the job as well. So, uh, Uh, there's a big job there. The, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, play by play gig is up. If you know anybody who's interested, let them know. All right. Uh, All right. That'll do it for episode 31 of the announcer schedules podcast. Um, I think that's everything. Is there anything that we didn't get on? Is there anything we want to add, uh, before we get out of here today?
2: Well, we, we touched on a lot and just kind of maybe on a, a little bit of a, a lighter note Um, you know, I was able to gather up what the counter programming was for the college football uh, playoff championship on Monday night. And, you know, this has been kind of an annual exercise of mine, you know, basically looking at the other sports channels and what they might be showing opposite of a, a big sporting event like the college football playoff or the Super Bowl. And the list is kind of interesting and obviously a little different this year where people actually might have been turning the channel and going to these, uh, you know, different um, spots to to watch some of this stuff because of the, the blowout nature of the game. CBS Sports Network in the nine o'clock hour opposite of the college football championship had. The Dubai Sail Grand Prix, so uh, sailing, was on the CBS Sports Network. Uh, NASCAR had a best of radioactive, um, you know, kind of highlight show from this past year on FS1. Um, Mexico Primera Soccer, uh, there was uh, action on FS2. Uh, there was a replay of the Ram Seahawks NFL game from the weekend. Uh, Kevin Coogler was on the call of that on the NFL Network. MLB Network had episodes of the baseball documentary by the great uh, Ken Burns. If you wanted to settle in with some uh, baseball history, Golf Channel Channel had a replay of the tournament that was played in Hawaii this past weekend. Uh, USA had WWE Monday night raw. They may have benefited from a ratings perspective. And then TNT had the movie Aquaman on opposite the college football playoffs. So, those were your offerings in case you, you know, just uh, couldn't handle any more of a, a blowout situation with the Bulldogs putting I know curtain on the horn Frogs.
0: I know I was looking for a Monday night football game and I would have
2: taken Carolina and the Saints at that point. Yeah, it, interesting. And, and actually, I, Mike, I saw a tweet of yours as far as, uh, you know, the Sixers game, um, you know, rivaling. Uh, TCU Georgia in terms of the blowout nature uh, last, last night, night I yes it was uh,
0: it was like 40 points the Sixers still are their starters and I was like my God this is uh, throwing the towel man wave the white flag get those guys out of the game so by the way Nashville Predators radio voice Pete Weber uh, is taking some time off uh, he has been diagnosed with a brain disorder uh, this according to uh, I think the team uh, in the interim Max Max hers uh who has joined the network this season he is going to do play-by-play for the nashville predators so uh we wish pete well uh who has been uh the longtime radio voice of the nashville predators he's the only play-by-player in the franchise's history that goes back to 1998 so uh pete weber uh there you go all right that'll do it for us uh phil Mike, here on episode 31, rate, review, subscribe, like, share, leave a comment, ask a question. Uh, We'll be back next week with more here on the announcer schedule podcast. This has been episode number 31. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we will talk to you next week right here on the Sports Media Watch feed on the announcer schedules podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone.